0: Hello and welcome to the Relationship Anxiety Podcast. I'm your host, Mikel, and today we're talking about why relationship anxiety. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the podcast today. We are talking about one of my most asked questions today, which is why do I have relationship anxiety? Why is this a thing? Now, I want to preface this as saying there isn't a hundred percent absolute way to answer this question because here's the truth. We don't know. Absolutely. There are a lot of theories. There are things psychologists have researched, observed. There are things that I've seen with my clients that we're going to talk about today. And there's so much that we don't know about the brain. And even as we talk through these different reasons is knowing like your own life, your own experience, whatever combination that has caused your relationship anxiety, isn't this black and white thing that we can just label as, okay, this is why. Um, but I think it is interesting to explore. Now, when we ask this question, why do I have relationship anxiety? I think the first thing to ask yourself is why do you want to know why? (laughs) If you found yourself wondering or asking this question before, why, why do you want to know? A lot of times our reason is we're afraid it means something about the relationship So we're wanting to explain and we're wanting to give ourselves some reasons other than it's just something's wrong with the relationship, something's wrong with my partner, or to even kind of alleviate some of the shame we feel, like this sense of something's wrong with me is that if I can just explain why, now I don't have to feel like so guilty or shameful or broken if I have an explanation for it, or I don't have to keep faulting my partner for me feeling this way. Sometimes it is just pure curiosity of wondering, like, huh, why is this my experience? You might just be genuinely fascinated by it and why you're experiencing it. Or one of the most common things I see is that we believe that if I can figure out why, then I can get rid of it. Like, if I just know, like, this is the reason why I'm experiencing this, then my anxiety will disappear. Now this is not going to help you. This is kind of a myth our brain likes to offer is we can just solve why, then it will solve the problem. So crude analogy here. <laughs> but over Christmas break, uh, we my family's hanging out, we notice there's this really gross smell in the room and immediately it turns into... Everyone accusing each other of who farted. And my brother laughs and just points out, I like how everyone tries to figure out who did it when it doesn't actually change the smell in the room. (laughs) Okay, so apologies for the ghosts. But I was like, that's such a good point. Like, that's literally what we do, I think, with our anxiety sometimes is we're like trying to figure out why, trying to figure out why. Just... For what? To be able to point fingers at something? To have something to blame? But in the end, the problem still going to be there. Not going to get rid of it. So I want you to be aware of, is this something we are obsessively trying to figure out why? Because obsessing on why we have this isn't going to fix your problem. So I want you guys to have that awareness as we dive into this. So the first reason I think often that can cause anxiety is our attachment style. So there's been a lot of research on our attachment. We as humans bond and attach to each other and often our attachment in romantic relationships can mirror and reflect the styles of attachment that we had as children to our caregivers and so what that means is the way that we've bonded the way that we learned relationships operate and we've learned how to feel safe and them, um it stems from childhood so a lot of times um you know many of us with relationship anxiety tend to fall in the bucket of having an anxious attachment or an avoidant attachment, or some combination of the two, which is disorganized attachment. So what that can look like is, you know, with anxious attachment, maybe you had parents that weren't totally emotionally available growing up, or they were some. They were inconsistently responsive to your needs. Um, so you didn't form what is gonna be the healthiest, which is a secure attachment to your caregivers. Um, so from that is a lot of times with anxious attachment is this fear of abandonment that you're going to be left, that um, your partner might not really love you, that your needs aren't going to be provided for. Um, and so we can learn that from a very young age um, with caregivers or even perhaps in an early on um, romantic relationship. or, the other style being avoidant attachment. And this is where we are more afraid of losing our autonomy in a relationship. We are afraid of having freedom, right? So this this tends to be avoidant attachment tends to look a little bit more like those of us that are afraid of, well, what if I find someone better? Or what if I feel stuck or bored? Or what if um, this isn't the right person? Those Fears a lot of times tend to connect with this avoidant attachment style, which is a fear of losing autonomy, that you're going to be stuck, um, that you are going to lose your sense of self within a relationship. So this avoidant attachment style comes from, again, parenting with parents that were either a little bit too much, overwhelming for the child. Um... You know, they may be, the child might have been given a sense of responsibility for the parent's emotions and might have been overwhelmed with that task. So avoidant attachments tend to try to prevent emotional closeness, which is why sometimes with relationship anxiety, we might feel okay or not as anxious in the beginning because it's not requiring that same level of commitment or closeness as it does later on. Now, not the case for everyone. I know I felt pretty anxious right off the bat, but definitely as the relationship became closer and more intimate, anxiety did build for me because I definitely fall in this avoidant category. Now, you may or may not resonate with any of these, Um But again, this can be one reason, is that attachment style to our parents. Um, Second can be traumatic experiences. So when we go through trauma, it's stored in our body. And our body learns that certain experiences are not safe and we avoid them. So if you have the traumatic experience of being in a car accident, your body might have a lot of very intense fear of getting in a car or driving. And so very similarly, some of us maybe have had traumatic experiences in the past with and around relationships. So this could be anything from, you know, experiencing or going through a divorce or turbulent time with your parents marriage or a prior divorce yourself personally as an adult, you might've had some trauma. Um, getting cheated on, be major trauma. So it could be traumatic, tra- <laughs> traumatic experiences directly correlated with the relationship itself or, or with relationships in general, or could even be more general trauma that has just made your nervous system be a little bit more wired to be anxious. Traumatic experiences that maybe just in general make you feel not safe or not like a good person or like you are not safe around others. So different traumatic experiences that we can take away learnings of your body basically being like, I'm not safe. And so that carries over into relationships. Um, It can create underlying anxiety where our brain is more heightened and looking out for fear because of past experiences saying like we're not safe. And I want to point out too, because I know for me initially, it was like, I don't think I have, I feel like overall I had a really like healthy growing up and I don't think I really had big trauma or anything like that. But a lot of times trauma can be Experiences that might not sound that big (laughs) when you talk about it out loud or to other people, but it's all about how you personally processed it emotionally. If an experience had a big impact on you emotionally, then that can help feed anxiety. So trauma and attachment, these like theories for why we experience anxiety and specifically relationship anxiety are based on our experiences that we've had um, in our life prior leading up to this that have wired us a certain way. Now, on the other end of less experiential and more biological is just simply your brain chemistry and the structure of your brain. Biologically, you might be someone who is just naturally more wired to get anxious about stuff. Like really could just be the way you're born. And that doesn't mean you've experienced anxiety your whole life. Sometimes these traits are dormant until we have some kind of experience or life-changing thing that like, kind of brings them all out. Um, so for me, I experienced a lot of anxiety throughout most of my life not really pinpointing it or understanding it until relationship anxiety but you know for others it might be relatively not having a lot of anxiety until a relationship being the thing that kind of brings out that dormant trait in them um but you know things like family history with mental health can impact it right because that are the genes you've been passed down now you know, that's not to say you might not, one, our really families aren't always open. We don't always know the history of our family's mental health. So there could be things in your family you don't even know about genetically. And two, even if you don't have that family line to trace, is it is just possible that is the gene that's playing a part in this, the biology that you have going on in your brain that is contributing to getting anxious. Um, Because naturally, all of us as humans are wired to experience anxiety to some degree because anxiety, having absolutely no fear at all, would actually be unhealthy. And there are some people that do not have that sense of fear, and it really actually does limit them as far as they're not able to stay as safe. (laughs) Because they don't have a sense of danger. So for survival reasons, it makes sense that we have this embedded nature of fearing things. Now again, everyone has that, but not everyone is going to have this heightened sense of alarm and fear. So, you know, if you have friends that maybe don't tend to be as anxious, they still will probably have a fear response if there's like a car coming head on and about to hit them. Right, natural survival gonna kick your body into gear to respond as quickly as possible to this threat. But if you're experiencing relationship anxiety, most likely the levels of anxiety you're experiencing are much higher than the average person just feeling some anxiety when there is an immediate threat. They are anticipating threats that are not in front of them. And you're, you're anticipating all these possible threats and experiencing all the fear ahead of time for it. Um, so part of where anxiety comes from is this desire to keep ourselves safe, to protect ourselves. So again, natural, normal function that it would be really unhealthy to be, you know, have a car driving head on at you and not feel any fear at all like that, <laughs> that wouldn't be good. So the fact that you feel some fear is good. Um, But a lot of times when we're experiencing a lot of levels of it is that it's our brain trying to protect us and trying to keep us safe from threats that aren't even present. So we have created different scenarios. Our brain imagines all these hypotheticals of like, this could happen in my relationship, this could happen, this could happen. And then our brain is going on overdrive of like, how do I then keep myself safe from this not present threat in a relationship? So that brain chemistry, our genes, and just even the natural human desire to stay safe and be protected just operating on overdrive now I think lastly is just our cultural expectations and things that we have learned from media maybe from family from religion from school all these different uh, institutions that teach us things have offered us some beliefs that are not useful. So one is a lot of our beliefs and expectations that we have around love. So the fantasy of love and what we think it should be, um, what we have learned from things as simple as like Romeo and Juliet and them being star-crossed lovers and how it should feel so immediate and quick and be this heightened thing or songs about feeling butterflies every time you see your partner, or movies where everything just lines up perfectly into place, and they just know, and the music starts playing, and and it all just goes so perfectly. So these different messages that we get from movies, as well as maybe even things that You know, we've heard in religion of being taught of when a decision's right, you should constantly feel peace and never feel fear, or being taught that God or the universe has one person out there for you that you have to find, Um, expectations around sex, that sex should always be perfect, that it should be happening several times a week, and that You should always feel so excited and always want it and just be ripping each other's clothes off. Um, That you should find your partner the most attractive person in the world and that no one else should be attractive to you. So all these different stories and narratives that we've been handed from um, the society, right? That is not necessarily realistic to expect all of these things right? And we talk about this a lot on the podcast is a lot of these different ideas and kind of questioning and deconstructing what we expect out of love. But these expectations we have held on to, we have believed. We haven't just heard or watched chick flicks and thought like that is a cute fantasy story. We don't watch it like the way we might watch Harry Potter and know that magic isn't real. We watch it thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly how my life needs to go, rather than having a step back of realizing mm, this is just like kind of a made-up fantasy story. We expect that to be our love story, and so naturally when our relationship does not fit this magical perfect thing, and we're holding very tightly onto that expectation, that disconnect, if we don't question our expectations, will make us start to question the relationship. And then the last thing I think is also our societal learned behaviors to be perfect and to always get things right. So I think a lot of times we can learn this in religion or in school, um, but I think a lot of my clients, and I know for me, I definitely fall in this bucket, very perfectionistic type A overachievers that want to do things perfectly. And you know, the kind of person that is like always getting A's and studies really, really hard to make sure that happens. And maybe even like this trait has served you if you've had a very successful career or educational path, but that same desire to do things so perfectly and right, we have channeled into our relationship. Combined with this expectation of love is like the ultimate thing in life. And I think a lot of times we almost worship love. And then we're being told this is the most important thing you can achieve is finding the one person to love right? And it needs to be perfect. That is a combination of anxiety, right? We have these very heightened expectations. And then we're expecting ourselves of like, this is the ultimate thing in life. I have to go achieve. I have to get an A on this. I need to find the right answer. We approach a relationship like we approach school is we want to analyze and we want to study and we want to figure out in order to make sure it is right, right? we approach it with the same dedication and intensity that unfortunately actually doesn't help us as much in love that that same hard work and perfectionism that has served you so well in school is actually perpetuating a lot of fears because we don't have a teacher that can tell us yes this is the right person this is the right answer on the test we don't get that in romantic relationships So I think those more perfectionistic thought patterns, um, if you expect yourself to always get things right, to never make mistakes, can fuel so much fear moving forward in the unknown of a romantic relationship. So these are just some of the things that I have read, I've thought about, but not all encompassing. And again, 100%, we don't know absolutely why. don't know maybe some of these did resonate for you like oh this feels familiar for me and we don't know exactly why but in the end it doesn't matter because even when we pinpoint or if we could pinpoint this was a contributing factor for you you still have to be willing to do the work you still have to show up and make changes For whatever reason, like this is the experience you are having. Now, what do you want to do about it? Less about why am I having it and what am I going to do? Am I going to just leave this as this is my reality and I'm stuck in this or frantically try to fix it? Or are we going to operate out of faith and trust, like, I can make progress here. This doesn't have to define me and the rest of my life. And I'm going to work on this. I'm going to get tools. I'm going to get a coach, a therapist. I'm going to heal. Ultimately, that question of what am I gonna do about this? How am I going to use this as an opportunity to better myself? How am I gonna use this as a way to grow? will get you so much further than trying to figure out why exactly. So hopefully this gave you some good insight. And I want you to use it to propel you into that next question of what am I going to do? How am I going to give myself the tools and support I need so that I don't let this anxiety define me? And I'm not just constantly living out of fear. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in today, you guys. You have a beautiful weekend. We'll talk next week. Bye.